Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And this is episode 426, Top 10 Pocket Games, for your summer travel leisure time. But of course, as always, we like to thank our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, friends, we're back. It is getting to that summertime season. And again, when you think summertime, everyone, of course, thinks of Board games, because right. board games, <laughs> that's the thing, right? Right? It, it. Well, I always try to make it a thing. I, I swear, every time <laughs> I go on a trip, every time, it doesn't matter if it's like coming to visit someone for a couple days, or we're going away on vacation, or going to a convention, I'm like, I'm going to bring some games. And, you know, in an ideal world, they get played. They Most, <laughs> most of the time, they don't get played, because if you're going to the beach, you're going to the beach, right? So... I've been trying in recent years <laughs> to really focus it down and just take like a very small handful of very small games that I could actually bring to the beach. Cause bringing my copy of Ark Nova to the Jersey shore <laughs> doesn't make any sense. And I need to stop doing it. But if you brought your copy of Cape may, that would make sense. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense thematically. I still wouldn't play it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but thematically making sense is really the only thing you need in life. That, yeah, I think it, that's more more important than you know whether or not you get a game played. But yes, again, trying to get more people into gaming, and obviously location matters. And seriously, like you're at the beach, like how often, how long do you really need to look at the sand and the waves? Right. That's what I'm saying. The beach is boring. Bring some games. <laughs> I agree. I'm actually- I'm not a beach person. I don't love the beach. Uh, I I get burned really easily. I get, <laughs> sand gets everywhere. I don't like to swim really. So I'm a I'm a big old spoil sport when it comes to going to the beach. So I have to bring books and games, or I'm just like lying there, being like, "Can we leave?" <laughs> so. The next episode will be the top ten ways to get sand out of your games. Yeah, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So every game we mentioned today, laminate it first. That's that's the key. <laughs> I absolutely positively agree. And again, let us help you get more games to the table, or in this case, I guess the blanket. <laughs> so right, it's always a good list to talk about. There's so many new and updated games, and it's not the standard kind of fair. You're not bringing a pocket full of like Uno cards. These games should get to the table, to the tablet, or actually to the, I don't know, the sandcastle at some point. So 
Uh, we'll be talking about that, so stick with us as we kind of grind out, you know, trying to make the best of the summertime madness. Anthony, there's other stuff going on. It doesn't seem why. I mean, summer. But summer, for some reason, also means the Spiel des Jahres. It does. Yeah. I, I joked about this last week, how we were not doing any more award stuff um, until the Spiel des Jahres were announced. And then they were announced like two days later. I'm like, oh, yes. sorry. Those are announced in May. I forgot. So, yeah, that's fun. Um, it's a much shorter list, thankfully, because oh, the, Germ- the Germans know how to keep it efficient. So. <laughs> yeah, there's three major categories. Anthony, I'll let you go through the games. Um and what's really important about the Spiel des especially is it really brings significant, and I mean significant, attention and sales to these games. So you should know about these games now because if if and when one of these games wins, it's going to be nearly impossible to find because they just disappear from the market because it becomes like the hottest thing. Like here in America, we're like, Spiel des but like everywhere else, they're like, oh, Spiel des Jahres. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it, it's a weird one because there are a lot of awards, but this is like the one award, which is, I guess it's the oldest one, at least ma- major one. Yeah. But it's also kind of this quirky niche thing from it Germany. Is. It's a and very like, German award. <laughs> and the, the rules for how they determine what qualifies is always... Every now and then a game will be on this list that came out like five years ago here, but it didn't come out in G- Germany until last year. And you're like, oh, exactly. That's weird. They nominated, they put QE on the recommendation list. I played QE in 2018. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, no, that's that's why, because it didn't come out in Germany until 2022. It's not a game until the Germans play it. Let's be honest. I mean, gotta I be fair. Can't argue with that. No. And again, I think we talked about this previously in past years that they there's a significant focus around the rule book because germans it's all, they're all about the rules right so yeah. and again i i want to hate on that a little bit because like really but also because but once you try to play a game a great rule book is just a lifesaver it's just yeah. it just it does everything right <laughs> like yeah i mean and from the that their perspective especially now as a teacher it doesn't matter how good the game is. If the rule book is bad, the game may as well not exist. Exactly. People can't play it. Like I have a couple of games that I think are pretty good, but if I put them in front of people who haven't been taught how to play, they can't figure it out. Yes. Therefore the game is useless. So yeah. And yeah. as we always talk about, we're trying to build the board game hobby. And you know, if we recommend games to our friends and family, yes, we may have watched 20 videos, listened to 35 podcasts and had like, 14 like hardcore gamers you know examine the game with us but that's not going to be the vast majority of the population they're no. going to they're going to base everything on the rule book so i'm giving props i I'm, I'm saying it i'm giving props because nothing ruins your day more than getting a game to the table opening up the rule book and just going what <laughs> like huh right. yeah, yeah. Who? where i don't know it's upside down is it is it a translation issue so so Anthony, let's let's run through the the different awards here. Yeah. So um, first up is Dorth Romantic, uh, the board game, which I just reviewed. Did two you weeks like it? Ago. I loved it. Oh, so. <laughs> spoiler! People didn't listen to that episode yet. Uh, why, why not? Go listen to it. <laughs> two weeks old. Um, 
I love this. this is, I feel like this happens to one game every year where one of us will play it like two weeks before it gets nominated and then yeah. just feel like a genius. Like, yeah, I said that game was pretty good. <laughs> the Germans agree. What? Um, so yeah, that's a tile lane game. It's based on the video game. It's fairly close to the video game's rules, but obviously, sure, you know, tile lane format. And it's cooperative, so it's it's pretty low key, good family game. Mm-hmm. Um, fun facts is the party game nominee for the year because there always is one. Uh, this is a, a game for four to eight players in which you write down fun facts about yourself. Ooh. So there's various prompts, different questions. Uh, and you you answer them, and they go onto a hidden board, and you try to organize them in the right way. This is very much like in that concept or just one category of activity yeah. masquerading as a game. Yeah. Game yep. So <laughs> uh, I expect it to win. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> With that caveat, it's going to win because it's it's. Li- I mean, it it just not played it. Would love to play it because it again fun. But it looks almost identical, right? It's got the same kind of like color placards that you have to use the erasable markers on and everything. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and no hate on those games. I have a no. few of them. I, I love no. those kinds of things. I don't think of them as games so much, but that doesn't mean it's not worth giving attention a fun, to. A fun time is a fun time, period. We just like to look for things that have interesting decisions to be made. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, and then the third one is Next Station London. This yes. is a game from Matthew Dunstan. It came out from Blue Orange Games last year, mm-hmm. um, and it's a line drawing game. You're like Ooh. building different routes for the buses and trains of London. So yeah. you'll be flipping over a station car, drawing a section, and then kind of optimizing your lines. So it's it's a flipping right. It's a flipping um, right, people. Flipping right, <laughs> which is kind of the third category of the spiel this year. You get like one tile game, one party <laughs> <That's> game. <right. laughs> And one flip or roll and write. And every right. now and then they mix it up and throw something in there you don't expect. That's right. Uh, but <laughs> it, it looks good. I haven't actually played this game. But Matthew Dunstan makes good stuff. Like Elysium, Guild of Merchant Explorers, uh, Pioneer Days. Lots of good games. Yeah. So it's an interesting mix this year. And there's a bunch of recommendations, which, again, is good to know. Because, again, rules, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I love that they do this because they're saying, like, we looked at hundreds of games, here's the three best, but then here's some other ones that you should try, right? And especially coming into Germany, sometimes these are games that haven't come out here yet, so we know what to look forward to. Yes. Um, like Acropolis and QE are games we've both played. Acropolis yes. is great. QE is kind of an experience more than a game. <laughs> um, but other ones I haven't even heard of yet. We have Hitster, Kazuku, Kazuka, sorry, by Leo Colavini. Mantis, um, salt, sea salt and pepper from Bruno Cathala, and then that's not a hat. <laughs> Casper Lab, <laughs> love it. That's not a hat. Part All right, you talked uh, you you talk me into it. Yeah, yeah, I'll try that. So, yeah, those are games worth checking out. Yeah, and again, it's a great opportunity to build your shopping list because again, these games are going to go out of <laughs> go out of stock really quick. Yeah. Uh, so that's the big one. That's the Spiel des Jahres. Those are light family games. Uh, the Kenner Spiel is like the heavier games, but these are, you know, these for our purposes, if you're listening to our podcast, these are medium weight games, typically. Mm-hmm. They don't really give awards for heavy, heavy games. Uh, and these are Challengers, which is the like tournament mini golf Smash Brothers style game <laughs> from Z-Man. Uh, there's Iki, which this is another one of those ones that, came out 
I want to say seven years ago in wow. Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my copy from Japan uh, in the English version because they ran a Kickstarter, but I have that still. But they got re-released from Sorry We Are French last year. Uh, and so now everybody can get it and they got it in Germany. So hey. <laughs> um, just a brilliant game. I'm, I'm rooting for that one. And then Planet Unknown from Adam's Apple Games, which is a big sprawling like sci-fi puzzle type of thing, which mm-hmm. I still have not played, but I really like their sword game. So <laughs> I'd love to try this out. And you've recommended, you reviewed and recommended Iki many times. Yeah, no, it's one of my favorite games. So yeah. I, own, I own two copies because I have the original Japanese and I have the new Sorry We Are French version because I like the art in both of them. Yeah. Uh, I've so. tried to buy this several times. I think at one point it was on sale and I was ecstatic and it was sold out. And I was just oh. like, I was crushed. And I'm like when it was sold out, it was sold out. So now I'm never going to be able to get a copy of this game. So yay. Ah. Well, if it wins the Kenner spiel, they'll reprint it, hopefully. <laughs> so. uh, and, then Chall- and then Challengers, I heard, was very uh, controversial because a lot of people's like, it's like playing war. But yeah, yeah. Which also, it, it, again, game experience. We're, it's a game experience game. We should we should put that as a category for our awards next year, Anthony. Game experience game, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a third of all games. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, all three of those look interesting. I've only played one of them that I can speak to. But I will say, if you haven't played Iki, do. It's amazing. Um, one of my great regrets is that I didn't back the original Kickstarter because you could have gotten a version of the board that was a scroll. Oh, but they only made as many as people ordered. So oh, it's just, damn. it's not possible to find because that Kickstarter did not do super well. The fact that I got it at all was the developer came to Gen Con, didn't really speak much English. And Chris, you lent me $50 in cash because I didn't have Ooh, there you cash go. on me. So um, it was like, no, I have to buy this. I have to figure out how to buy this. And they were like, cash only because, yeah. But, um, but yeah, definitely try that one out. All right. Uh, and then the recommendation list, a uh, couple games that, uh, again, we haven't had a chance to play. Council of Shadows is a new one from Alea, and Mindbug um, from a whole bunch of people, including Richard Garfield. So both look interesting. I know Mindbug was... It's a Kickstarter. Yeah, this is the Kickstarter Gar- Garfield worked on, um, yeah. kind of his post-Keyforge work. So interested to see. I didn't, I didn't know that was out that you could play it yet. So. Yeah, they had a second Kickstarter that not too long ago. Mm. So um, I guess it. I haven't seen it anywhere on any table or even out there in the in the world. So kind of surprised. But yeah. uh, Ca- Council of Shadows, pretty cool looking game. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that, that looks really interesting. Yeah, Mindbug. I'm sure is. I'm sure it's great because again, Richard yeah. Garfield. Like, does he know how to do a CCG? I don't know. Like maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like let me let me take a look at your resume. What is this magic thing that's here? Like you seem to. Like you keep boasting about it, like yeah. So, dude's only worked on three of the most successful collectible trading card <laughs> style games in history. Yeah, I think he knows what he's doing. He does. Um, so, last category is the Kinderspiel. They now announced the winners for these in June. Uh, we never know what any of these are, and my kids have kind of grown out of these, so I'm not as interested as I used to be. But they are interesting, and if you have kids, they're worth checking out. Carla Caramel, Gigamon. Mysterium Kids. Yeah. Because Mysterium is a great game to play with families, but it can be a little scary for younger kids and a little too complex. So making the kid version of this, I think is a great idea. Absolutely. Uh, And then the recommendation list is Duzanimo 
Mine Erstis Abentur Bond 1B7. Easy for you to say. <laughs> it hasn't been translated yet. And Ruch and Fluch. So, uh, again, the Kinderspiel games, they, whatever wins tends to come over and, and do gangbusters over here. So you'll see one or more of these games in the months ahead, I'm sure. Yeah, and I'm kind... I'm a big fanboy for Mysterium, and... I think it's I think it's great that there's a kid version of this because it, like growing up as a kid, even as a kid, I was always kind of weirded out that like you when you we played Clue the like the traditional board game Clue, mm-hmm. and then for some reason like that was a game for kids and the family, right? Like oh so and so was murdered with you know a, a lead pipe, <laughs> you know I'm just like. <laughs> Why am I? I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I shouldn't be playing this at like seven. Like, and I played it at seven, you know, it's just like, all right. So he was murdered, you know, with a candlestick or a rope or stabbed with a knife or something. Just like, I don't know. <laughs> I need an adult. It's right. not a, it's not, not something I should be playing here. I just, yeah. I just feel bad about it. So I, I love that idea. And again, it does, it does a lot to bring people into the kind of the, the larger universe of of tabletop board gaming at least the, the hard stuff the, the better stuff right so and yeah you don't have to t- tell your kids about death <laughs> as you're playing a board <laughs> game with them so uh, you see what uh colonel mustard did here was you know i'm not gonna even do it because it's a it's a family podcast we yeah, we're yeah. a family podcast <laughs> but for those of you who have played the game you completely understand and therefore let's just yeah good good job people Really happy about that. So, um, yeah. So we'll bring you the winners, and when they come up, and like we said, check the games out because, in some cases, they may not be as available. And also, if you have not yet played uh, Mysterium Park, it's definitely more of a family version. It's not a kid version, but mm. it's definitely more family version because they take out the murder, you know, weapons out of the thing. So it's 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 better as far as that. It's just like you know, crime, person, place, thing. And it's like, oh, okay, smart. Just take out that one element, and you're good. Yeah, that's good. All right. Well, speaking of crimes, Anthony, we're <laughs> <laughs> uh, so not speaking about crimes because we're not because we can't, and therefore we won't. But and I want to make this as brief as possible because, unfortunately, as tabletop media creators specifically reviewers i think that's how you and i define the work that we do most is reviews yeah and because we define ourselves as reviewers and there's been a lot of terminology out there a lot of people you know are you an influencer are you a hype man or you know again there's there's 20 30 different variations especially in this age of social media we have always thought of ourselves as reviewers and also to promote tabletop gaming uh, to a broad, a, as broad of an audience as possible, especially those that uh, may have not been aware of tabletop gaming and those who have been in some fashion or other kept from participating in tabletop gaming because of many internal and external sociological reasons and such. So, and even the review, and I would say too, has a particular ethical bent to it. Like, the reason why we do the reviews instead of, you know, getting paid to hype something up is because the people that we feel we work for is everyone who's listening. And especially the Patreon backers who support us and everyone else who rates us online, talks about us online, talks about us to our friends, use our reviews. That that's 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 our that's our bosses. 
and we want to be supportive and do a good job for all of you. So you are the people that we care about most. Now, that being said, capitalistic society, there are a lot of other media people out there. And again, there's a lot of definitions for what they are and what they do. But there are people out there that certainly take money or ask for money for, again, a number of different things. And this is not to disparage any particular person or group or media company, anybody, but there is a variation or a spectrum of people as far as what they do, why they do it, and what they take in return for those things. So when we get review copies, we tell you that we got a review copy of the game so to help um, be as transparent as possible. And then we give you the most objective view possible about the game. The only thing subjective about our reviews is if we really fanboy out about a game, we will also tell you that, right? So we have a certain love for like, a you know, Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or something like that. We'll be upfront with that, you know, and we will never let that kind of sway our judgment and like make you buy a bad game. Um, the reason why we say all this is because recently there's been a brouhaha and it's been going on for quite some time in a lot of different versions and things like this. Anthony's other podcast back in the day talked about one of the reviewers um, who used to do previews for Kickstarter and he would take money for those. And in his preview, there would be actual, um, you know, promotion and rating. And that conversation has been had. And again, we can bring, we can give you that information. Want to take a look. But as somebody who purchases games and someone who who promotes um, looking at games as far as Kickstarter and things are concerned, that's always been challenging for me as a consumer because I do think about and trust a lot of these media producers and not knowing if they're paid for their review or paid for their preview, then in which the then then the uh, publisher is using that preview that's paid as a review, which they should not do. Um, kind of muddies the water a lot and makes it hard to know what's a good purchase or not. So recently, and again, I'm going to skip names because I think that's helpful, but you can find all of this information on Board Game Geek. There are several threads. Uh, Kotaku has uh, an article about this in detail, but there was um, a YouTube person and there was a publisher and there's a lot of emails and contacts. And again, not going deep into this, but again, I think my channel, our channel, every channel has been saying this because we want you to know that we don't engage in any kind of quid pro quo, you know, if you don't do this, I won't do that for you, so forth and so on. Because I think that's I think that's generally important to say what we're about more than what's going on out there. But there is an incident. There is an ongoing conversation. I don't know if there'll be a deeper investigation, but you should know who we are. And I think that's what I would like to say about that. Anthony, do you have anything? Uh, no, I mean, I, I certainly, I could be more heated on this topic off air, um, but it's as somebody who's worked in marketing for the better part of 15 years, I find stuff like this to be infuriating sure. uh, for several reasons. One is just, you just don't, I mean, every industry has, nonsense that goes on right that's questionable ethically um you know we're not qualified to speak to the legality of anything but like ethically speaking like it feels icky sometimes the things you see online but there are also rules and there's expectations and there's relationships that people build with each other and it's just it's difficult to navigate i feel like a lot of board game media these days without 
like wading through that muck. So I'm proud of the fact that we don't do that. And that's one of the main reasons why is because ethically it just, it doesn't feel right. And I wouldn't want to do this type of content if that's what we were doing. I understand people's need to have a business model and to leverage the resources they have, which is their voice. Um, I just wish there was a cleaner way to do it. So, and it, you know, part of it's just like this industry is kind of the wild west still. It's not as clean and organized and you can get direct in contact with CEOs and have these kinds of conversations, but it's, it makes me unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me unhappy. And I, I just, I think it's important that we do, you know, come out and say, we don't do this type of stuff. Um, this is probably one of the people ask why we don't do more videos. This is one of the reasons why it's hard. The major, to yeah. It's hard to compete with people who, who do this. And also it's hard to get the materials you need to make coverage when you're not participating in this little micro economy. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you're ever wondering why we don't do as many videos, that's, that is part of it because it, it gets a little ickier. Whereas on the podcast side, we don't really have to deal with that as much. We can kind of do whatever we want. Um, but yeah, I would just say, do your due diligence. Think about it. Like if this was surprising to you, maybe dig in a little bit more and see who does take money and why they take money and how open they are about it. Most people are very open about it and they will tell you when something's sponsored. So this is not to say that anybody, you know, everybody's a shill, but um but, you know, as with anything in a capitalist society, you got to, you know, keep an eye out and protect your own interests to to know what you're looking at, what you're consuming and what the incentive is of the person producing that content for you to consume it. Sure. And and, and the takeaway from Anthony's previous podcast many years ago, the person who was promoting content, irregardless of, of the quality of it because he was getting paid, his comeback was people don't care, right? People just want to see the content and they want the positive feel for it. But as Anthony says, we're consumers, we're purchasing and we need to have the best purchasing power and the most knowledge and information. And we're, and it's a small hobby. And I think that we're all friends here and we game to, you know, it's a unique hobby, right? It's not like you're buying a vacuum cleaner and then you go home and you vacuum the floors, right? Like, we participate together. We participate. We are part of the creators and the designers and the gamers and the publishers. We're all one family. We're all we're all connected, intermingling. We sit at the table together. There's very, very few barriers as far as that's concerned. You could sit down and play a game with a designer or a publisher or CEO, as Anthony was saying. Um, my feeling is that's not what that content creator said a couple of years back. It's not true you care and that's why you listen and that's why you support us and that's why we do what we do it's terribly unfortunate that that's not promoted more in society because like anthony was saying um we don't get the review copies you know that would allow us to do you know content so that you could see and hear our opinion and 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 the objective nature of it, nor do we receive any of the, you know, the, again, micro economy, but thousands, if not 10,000 or more dollars to do that content. Um, Anthony and I both work full time when we can. And like having money allows us to have time to produce those videos, but not having that. So um, again, there's definitely more we can say. We've 
it's been a very difficult process. It's a lot of fun for us to do this, but as far as us dealing with the industry um, at conventions and the the weird, painful negotiations, because again, in the end, we're only trying to help the industry and the publishers. It's been terribly problematic and disheartening. And I'll tell you, like I run into a convention and I love it. And I love to talk to the people despite my intense social anxiety or introversion. Um, but you get beaten up emotionally and, you know, sometimes verbally in case um, talking to people. And that just, it's heartbreaking because you have so much love. It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm talking to people by, by, about buying gravel. No, it's, it's about a hobby we love and participate and it means so much to us and so much of our lives. So when things like this happen and it hurts what everyone's trying to do, which is all support each other, um, it's bad. And it's not just a media container. The, the publisher is also responsible for this as well. And a lot of publishers take advantage of the relationships and they will take a preview and pass it off as a review. And it's bad. It's just, it's just, a, it's a, it's a mess. So stay informed, check it out. And again, we can't thank you enough for all your support um, because we want you to feel every time you listen, 100% legitimate, objective for your benefit kind of work, not ours. So um, maybe we'll do a Patreon episode at some point <laughs> in more detail where we yell and scream at, at the, right. the camera. Um, because there's a lot to say, there's a lot, lot more to say, and there's a lot of history with that, but, uh, uh, th again, thank you so much. And please promote to gamers, to designers and publishers, the media content people that you trust and that you participate with, because only that period, only that will change the industry and make things positive and more beneficial for everyone involved because you know they're getting clicks because of bad stuff let's let's get let's get the good people out there let's get the independent media out there in a good way all right so that's everything that's happening with us and the industry out there um anthony no question of the week because it's been a week and kind of the media stuff was the question right <laughs> it was the question for the industry so we'll be back next week. Until then, question the content that you're getting. Question the media that you're consuming. It does a thing to you. Trust me. Many, As Anthony said, it's his industry. It's my industry to know psychologically what things do. Please question. Question, question, question. Absolutely question. It's not a bad thing to question even people that you love and trust. All right. So let's get on to the games that we want to hit the table. Anthony, let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right, so uh, this was a, a bit of a surprise one because Ooh. this was game, it really though, was it? I mean, it it I was mean, because the game was announced four years ago and then canceled. <laughs> so but, let's be honest, the game was hiding underneath a giant box right. the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Emerson Matsuji and IDW announced Metal Gear Solid the board game back in 2019. We mm -hmm. saw a prototype of it uh or i guess i saw a prototype of it at gen con um you were not with me that year oh i know uh, i didn't get a chance to try it out but it looked cool i like the idea of having you know uh, metal gear solid as a format for this type of game and emerson matsuchi worked on specter ops which is one yeah. of the better hidden movement secret objective spy type of games yep so take that 
add in Metal Gear Solid, one of the great video game IPs, and heck yeah, we got a game. Um, but IDW kind of just slowly drained resources and kind of gave up on on the whole board game thing. Um, and the game was canceled in 2021. So didn't hear anything about it. Haven't heard anything about Metal Gear Solid in general since Hideo Kojima left Konami, what, five, six years ago now? Um, and so they haven't really done anything with the IP in any sense, except like some pachinko machines in Japan. So this week we got multiple Metal Gear Solid games announced, uh, which is exciting, like video games. And, you know, they're remakes and remasters, but still new Metal Gear Solid content. Amazing. And Simon announced that they are going to be publishing the Metal Gear Solid board game, uh, which was surprising to everybody because, like, oh, a new one. Like, nope. This is the Emerson Matsuchi game that was canceled years ago. Simon got the license, and now here it is. It is coming back. So the game itself is a cooperative miniatures board game. It's got stealth mechanics. Um, players can play as Solid Snake, Meryl Silverberg, um, Otakon, Gray Fox, the Cyborg Ninja. Uh, and you're trying to use all your various skills to avoid detection, kind of get through these different scenarios. So it's it's kind of like a, a open sandboxy type of game where you're kind of figuring out these stealth puzzles, very similar to some of the more open levels and objectives in a Metal Gear Solid vi- video game. Um, I know there were some issues with early versions of the games. The reason why it didn't get published when it was originally announced is it just wasn't quite fully cooked. So my hope is that it is now. Like whatever issues they were having have been worked out through playtesting over the additional two, three years. Um, and they're not just like, oh, IP, let's grab that and sell it. But we'll see. Um, <laughs> I, I might I might actually pre-order this. And this is like with me kind of being on a not pre-order anything uh, anymore type of thing. But I really do like this IP a lot. And it's been so long um, since anything substantial has come out for this. Like Metal Gear Solid 5 came out like eight years ago or whatever. So I'm on the fence about picking it up uh it's not on kickstarter that was a big surprise too simon is doing direct pre-orders for this game i'm trying to remember the last time they did that and i don't know if that just means we don't have extra content or maybe the game's not amazing or maybe the game is amazing and we just want to get this into stores quickly i have no idea what that actually means for this company um but you know it it comes with a handful of miniatures as one would expect um comes with a scenario book there are some pre-order exclusives. If you uh, pre-order in advance, you get a Metal Gear Rex miniature. There's a graphic novel. So that's kind of cool. Um, the game's like 100 bucks, So pretty much what you'd expect for a Simon miniature type game. But it looks cool. I hope it's good. I'm tempted. Um, and it's up on Simon now for pre-order for I don't know how long. I don't know that they said how long. But uh, check it out. Yeah, no, that's great. I love Simon. They they posted. They're really into the whole kind of teasing you kind of situation as far as their games are concerned. So they showed like just the box, and they mm-hmm. kind of blurred out some things. They're like, "What do you think it is?" Everyone's like, "Come on, it's Metal Gear." Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you guys talking to? Come on, come on. We know what this is about. So yeah, no, this is this is fun. I'm happy about this. Um, and I'm happy you're backing it because I would not. So yeah, (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm still on the fence. I'm still on the fence. Like, I, giving Simon money at this point is really hard for me to do. But yeah, uh, really, I like. I really thought this was dead forever, and then it just shows up, and I'm like, ah. Oh. And you get a Rex miniature that looks Ooh. cool. <laughs> I want to be a cyborg ninja? Just yeah. saying. Yeah. Very cool. So yeah, we'll let you know when that pops up, and some surprisingly was there all along somehow just check your cardboard boxes people question the media and question cardboard boxes that's all we're saying period yeah kind of <laughs> so. all right well i am i guess happy to talk about uh, my acquisition disorder this week because it is actually something i have played and i have owned uh this is carson city big box by quinn games this is a game that I backed on Kickstarter so many years ago. Uh, we did a review for this. I, I'm sure I did a review for this. I played this multiple times over the years. And actually, a friend of ours, Chris, who used to game with us way back in the day, I'm talking like nine, nine years or so ago, was like, hey, this is up on Kickstarter. You should back this. And I was like, okay, let me take a look. It was like $90. I'm like, you, my friend, are crazy because I would never <laughs> spend $90 for a Kickstarter game. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I really appreciated again, his objective, uh, nonpartisan kind of review on this. And I backed it on, on, on his recommendation. And it was great because Carson city had been out of print, had a lesser, uh, deluxified version. It was kind of pretty basic, it had multiple expansions that were again, hard to find. And primarily, the thing you have to know about Carson City, if you have not played it before, obviously, it's an old West American kind of game where you're settling the land and you're building out buildings amongst the mountains and the mines and things like that. And as you build these buildings throughout the game, they kind of gear up and, and provide more resources, victory points and such. And that's only one part of the game. You're like, oh, cool. Tile laying, you know, how you lay the tiles out, kind of like suburbia. Great. That sounds fun. Cool. But that's only one part. The other part's really cool, which is even cooler because it actually has character selection. So in this game, before you start the round, you're going to be able to select one of the townsfolk, so to speak. And those members of the townsfolk are going to give you a special ability um, unique to you, like an overpowered ability. But that goes back to the pile, and then other people will be able to choose it each and every round. So that's pretty cool. Now, the kicker is it's a worker placement game. And when you place workers out, again, to build, to get money and, and stuff like that, primarily what you're doing is you're trying to build up enough resources, but also enough, I guess, uh, fighting power, so to speak, because you can choose to like outdraw opponents on the board in order to take their stuff because it's the wild wild west so if you got the guns and if you get the dice rolls you knock people off their stuff so it was for me that first especially euro but like worker placement game where like it was tight it was intense it was adversarial and a lot of times when you hear about Euro games, you're like, oh, I'm playing a solitaire game and like blah, blah, blah. There's no player interaction. Like, oh, my friends, there is like hardcore player interaction here. It's not mean, but it is aggressive and it's fun. And it's a beautiful production for the game. If you have not checked it out, it's currently on GameFound 
again, not cheap. <laughs> uh, but you can, again, you could get the upgraded box. You could get, if you already own it, um, this new new version of it comes with a solo mode. I can't imagine what the solo mode, it doesn't give us a lot of information here yet. Can't imagine necessarily playing the solo mode on this because, again, it's the interaction with other players, the showdowns, that really makes the game. Um, comes with a new insert, comes with additional rules and things like that. Um, this is probably mostly for people who do not have the game. Uh, if you if you haven't played it, definitely check it out. Uh, if you haven't purchased it, might now might be the time. Uh, Carson City Big Box on GameFound. So I, I bounced off this game so many times. Like I had a copy of the regular version for a while. I played it at a convention once. I've seen had opportunities to buy the big box several times, and I don't know why. I love worker placement games, but I just this game just doesn't. I haven't given it its due, I know, but it just hasn't clicked for me. Okay, yeah, no, it's fair. It's it's a very different version of the worker placement game. Uh, the character tiles in the game, I really love that. I just think it's such a dynamic part of it. But it's mean. <laughs> it's, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a mean game. Uh, so again, if for no other reason. When you, you know, if everyone says like worker placement games or your games don't have interaction, show them this game and uh, <laughs> then they'll never question you again about anything again, I promise. So, hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So for At My At The Table this week, we are talking again for our feature review about small portable games that you can get out to the beach, get out to the table. I'm so happy to say that I actually got a small pocket game in the mail the other day. This was Dark Tomb, a cooperative dungeon crawl through these dark, scary tombs. I backed it on Kickstarter kind of almost on a whim. Like one of the scariest things about this podcast is like, hey, I really shouldn't purchase more games. And then I do a podcast about board games and then I purchase more games. So yeah, that's scary too. But 
this was really inexpensive as far as a price is concerned. And I like to play dungeon crawls. Problem with dungeon crawls are they're awesome and big and sprawling and they have a ton of miniatures and you almost never get them to the table. So I wanted to get a dungeon crawl to the table as easily as possible, especially with new gamers and dark tomb seemed to kind of meet that. So basically dark tomb is a small metal tin, little scary skeleton on the, on the top. He's the, the villain here. And your job is to, again, without giving spoilers away, because there's just a little tiny spoilers as far as stories concerned. The game is to journey into this dark dungeon, uh, face down all these villainous creatures and then take out the bad guy. Right. I don't think I spoiled too much. Right. Um, so, because that's a dungeon crawl. Now, the game itself, again, since it's a pocket version of it, it comes with a deck of tile cards. It comes with a D20 and a bunch of cubes that have symbols on them. So, uh, it's a co-op game, but you can play it solo. And it does play best as a co-op game, surprisingly enough. But basically, what you're going to do is set up the tiles. You're going to hide what's going to pop up in the dungeon. And... Each player gets a character card that has special abilities, armor class, all that kind of fun stuff. They're going to get weapon cards, which are going to have special abilities and things like that. And then you're going to have the opportunity as you journey through the dungeon with your particular character is you'll be able to use your special abilities to move, to attack and such other things, but you can't do them back to back. So there's a certain like economy that kind of takes place. And I really love that about this game. It's not just... You walk down, you slash a thing. It's like, you have a special ability. It moves this way. It hits like this. It has that kind of special crit attack to it or heals or it moves and things like that. Awesome. As you flip over the cards, villains come up and the villains has a, a certain special ability, technique, thing like that, movement. And it gears up, becomes harder and more powerful, obviously, as the more players are in play here. You go through, you knock out the bad guys, you, you pick up treasure, which is going to give you one time or, again, ongoing kind of special abilities, which are more weapons or healing and stuff like that. And you go through three different sections of this dungeon with your crew of different characters or, again, solo. And that's primarily it. The best thing about the game is that, for me, it offers enough complexity in a small pocket game that I actually feel like I'm not doing the same slash and hack over and over again. Each character has a little bit of difference to them. Their weapons and abilities are different enough. The creatures are different enough. And when you play as a crew, the interactions are a lot more interesting and dynamic. And yet at the same time, it's a tiny little game. This is not a dungeon crawl with all the complexity and the, that kind of fun and the RPG elements to it. But there's a just barely enough story. The artwork is interesting. And again, it fits in your pocket. So for a pocket game that lets you do a dungeon crawl in a very minimalistic kind of way, uh, Dark Tomb gets a buy from me. I'm actually happy that I backed this on Kickstarter. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't go in on this. Maybe I just have too many small box solo type of things, like a bunch of other ones. But it does look cool. Yeah, we'll definitely play it because it's going to be in my pocket when we get down to the convention. So nice. Um, it's nice to just get to actually be able to play a dungeon crawl these days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we talked about the small games. Let's talk about the top 10 of the small games. Let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are talking about the top 10 
pocket games for your various summer travel beach. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Stay home, get a little tiny table, play a little tiny game, have some fun, get some people to the table that may not know or into the super complexity. But again, you should always have games on when you would you travel. Always be prepared, right? Yes. Yeah, have something because you might bring them every time and never play them, but the time you don't bring them, someone will be like, oh, I wish we had a game. And you're like, man, <laughs> I did it again. It's true. It's very true. So, yeah, if you if you see me out in the world, I'll have Dark Tomb with me. So let's play. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, uh, we got a great top 10 that everyone should pick up and play. So uh, why don't you start off with number 10? All right. Uh, number 10 on the list is one of three games. Oh, uh, kind of cheating there. Kind of cheating. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if if this was my own personal list, this would be numbers one, two, and maybe three. I don't know. But, okay. um, you yeah. know, we work together, so I guess it's fine. Um, <laughs> You're getting transparency, folks. <laughs> if I wasn't on this podcast, it would be nothing but little pocket games and rolling rights. See? See what I did? I saved you all. And don't forget the 18 double X. Those would be there, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't know about that. I haven't played one of those in like four years. But... Um, <laughs> Sprawlopolis, uh, and we'll just stick with that, but there is a Gropolis and Naturopolis, depending on what theme you like. Yeah, uh, absolutely. My favorite Button Shy game, I I think it's safe to say it's their most popular Button Shy game, since they have three versions of it. And it's not just solo. You can play it with up to four people, based on what version you have, and you kind of cooperatively build out your little tableau. Um, it's a very bra- brain-burning puzzle, because the scoring mechanisms are always changing. You're dealing with negative points and positive points, and kind of balancing all that. Um, it's just such a blast. I always have this with me when I travel by myself or with other people. And often if I'm like, oh, I wish I'd played a game today, I will pull this out and it takes five to 10 minutes. And then, Hey, I just played a game today. <laughs> so, um, it's one of my most played series of games, uh, in my logs because it takes no time. Um, and it always feels satisfying. So Sprawlopolis, um, may not fit on the trade table on an airplane, but will fit just about anywhere else. And certainly in your pocket. Very nice. Well, I have another collection of games, but primarily the one I'm recommending is Mintworks. This came out in 2017, and it's about building a mint factory and utilizing worker placement to do all the kind of fun stuff. So Mintworks, kind of like, I guess, the the, the Sprawlopolis and all the kind of button fly games, this is its own thing, right? This, so this is all about like, hey, you know what's cool? Little tin mints, right? Where you have the little mints. I mean, this is kind of a throwback, way, way throwback, where you used to have mints in a tin. I don't I don't know if I ever did that. I don't know if our parents did necessarily. Maybe our parents or grandparents. But everything fits in this little tin, which allows you to, you know, utilize these cards to actually do a worker placement game. I love that. It's so cool. I remember playing this game. I was like, this place worker placement? I'm like, yeah, it's in a little thing. And basically all it is, Again, since they're, they look like mints, right? These little white discs. And you're able to kind of utilize the different factories in order to score points and uh, objective cards. So, um, yeah, if you're looking for something small and compact and a worker placement, uh, this this really hits the mark. And it is my favorite of all of the mint games out there. Yeah, I, I think that's an easy, <laughs> easy statement to make. Yes, very easy one. Buy this. Buy this one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, number eight on the list is The Game. Uh, what? It's it's the worst <laughs> name for a game, but it is a very good game. It so, is. Especially with uh, the new version that doesn't have the creepy artwork to it. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad someone finally figured that out. Uh, so 
This is a game out of Germany. You have uh, a deck of cards numbered one to a hundred. Um, and you are trying to get them all out of your hand into these piles. Two of the piles go up, two of the piles go down. You can play it solo. You can play it with, I think, up to five people um, cooperatively, but you can't tell each other what you have in your hand. All you can do is be like, don't play on that pile. I may have a good reason for that, right? <laughs> that kind of communication. Um, the The twist to the game is at any point in time, if you have a card that's 10 higher or lower than the stack you're trying to place it on based on whether that stack's going up or down, you can kind of cheat and work it backwards. So you have to try to chain these things together while communicating with each other. It's just a deck of cards. The little tuck box is the size it needs to be for a deck of cards. So it's not oversized. It fits right in your pocket. Um, and this one, you could play on an airplane or a train because it's just those four stacks. So sure. uh, it's a blast. There's an app for it as well. But, you know, play your version. Um, I would recommend tracking down the much more interesting uh, artwork of the more recent Pandasaurus version of this game. But if you really want the creepy skulls, they're out there. <laughs> I have a copy of the creepy skulls. Me too. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really sad about that because I really would like to play with the family. And then I'm just like, no one's going to want to play this. Like, why? It's, yeah. yeah. You got to track down the cool little geometric shapes. It's I look, I feel like the company owes me this, right? Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I turn into them, my full copy, it's not, it's not damaged. It's perfect copy. I think they should give me the one that doesn't invoke nightmares and children. I mean, that's fair. I'm, I'm just saying people help me out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair trade i'll play your game if if i don't get the nightmares that's all i'm saying all right uh a, a duo of some of my favorite games here as far as trick-taking games is concerned as far as artwork is concerned um you all know i love artwork in board games i it's just it's a passion of mine it's it's an appreciation of mine um these two games have some of the best artwork out there period um this is the fox in the forest and obviously, since I'm talking about both of them, the Fox and the Forest duet. Uh, these are trick-taking games. Um, obviously, Fox and the Forest is your standard trick-taking game and has a lot of special cards in it. And that's really where the game shines in both versions. The special cards, like these kind of trump cards, have special abilities that will allow the game to be um, not your standard kind of like, I have a certain higher number, it switches things. It gives you special abilities. It gives you certain points. And again, everybody, all the tricks have them in there. So um, it's a fair and balanced and wonderful trick-taking game. The Fox and the Forest Duet is a two-player co-op. Co-op, my friends. It's a co-op trick-taking game with, again, gorgeous artwork, really fun, smart design. As Anthony was talking about, uh, cooperatively working with your partner to manage the board right so uh you're playing cards they're playing cards you're trying to work together as far as the tricks are concerned to be able to achieve the objectives both beautiful games both pocket games both should be in your collection and at the table or at the beach all right uh number six on the list i almost said my list but <laughs> i mean it probably would be i love this series of games this is the Clever series. Um, I say series now because there are four of these, but it's Ganshon Clever, or That's So Clever, um, from Wolfgang Warsh, the Roll and Write. Now, there are a lot of Roll and Writes out there, so you could probably swap in many of them. Um, the reason I included this one is because the, the box is designed in such a way, and you roll so few dice, that you could just roll the dice into the box. 
like dice games in general are a little tricky for pocket games because if you're on the beach or on an airplane or on a train you lo- you drop a die and who knows where it's going to go right <laughs> so you want to be careful with those but this one really works and it's very self-contained so as long as you keep the pencils in the box you have the little sheets anybody could play this i wouldn't like recommend a welcome to or something not only because the box is too big but because there's a lot of bits and pieces and cards yeah. to keep track of um the nice thing about the clever series is that you can keep the same dice and you just mix and match the sheets so if you have multiple physical copies of these you just pull a few sheets out fold them up put them in your pocket with a handful of dice and you got multiple ways to play the game um if you love rolling rights then this is one of the best iterations of that across the four different versions if you do not like rolling rights this is all this is so skip over this but um for my like uh I, I do love these there are apps for all of them as well so you can play them on your phone too if you want to play solo excellent all right a game that i've talked about a lot over the years and a game that is super small uh super inexpensive and offers a fun time again for two to four players this is love letter uh, obviously the classic love letter is probably what I'm going to recommend because I think it's just, it works. It works perfectly. There's no really crazy additional bits to it. There's no crazy kind of rule variations and things like that. It's just love letter. It comes, you can get it in a little beautiful, little tiny felt sack, which is gorgeous, or you could get it in one of the hard cases, or you could get it in any number of like a hundred different versions uh, I would I would assume every language, different artwork, uh, different versions that are out there as well. Obviously, don't get the premium premium kind of super deluxe that will not fit in your pocket, no matter how big you think your pocket is. Love letter fits everywhere. Four players, different roles you get to play, two cards in your hand. This is the game you can play anywhere, and it's always a treat for anyone who plays it. So yeah, love letter. All right, awesome. Uh, number four is Star Realms, uh, and you know. It's it's a quick two player deck building game. If it's in one little tuck box, can shove it in your cargo short pocket. Um, and people might say, like, well, what about all the other games that have reiterated on the Star Realms formula, or even Star Realms Frontiers, or Colony Wars, or any of the upgrades to that? And to that, I would say they're more expensive, and the boxes are much bigger. So, <laughs> Star yeah. Realms is great because it's still just fifteen dollars for a very substantial game that does fit in your pocket. Star Wars, the deck building game, great game, but the box is about three times bigger than it needs to be, and it costs 30 bucks. So it's a little bit harder of a sell, and it's not possible to just carry it around unless you take everything out of the box and find something to put it in. So Star Realms is the original. It is the simplest. It is very easy to teach. It doesn't take up a ton of space, uh, and it is just one of those almost perfect quick two-player games. And again, like a lot of these, there is an app for it. If you really don't want to carry a game in your pocket, you could just play this on an iPad with somebody in line. Gotcha. All right. My next game is another game that I've been just loving forever. I never thought I would. It's called No Thanks. This is a, I I would say, quick little card game that's just one deck of cards and a bunch of little, I guess, tokens. And it's a, for me, it's like the classic, the... I guess just the quintessential press your luck because you're going to have cards in your hand. All those cards go out. You got to play a card, you play a card. And at, you know, I'm sorry, as the cards get played out, um, you have to decide if you're going to take that card. 
So as those cards go out, you either pass by putting a token there, which is, you know, giving up points, and then everyone decides what they're going to do. So the higher the cards are, the more you want to avoid them because you don't want to have points in this game. You want to have a zero or negative points if possible, but it leads to a lot of fun, right? So as those cards go out, as people play tokens on them, you start to run out of tokens, and then at some point you are forced to take cards into your hand, but not to worry there is an opportunity to chain those cards together so only the lowest card is what counts against you. It's a lot of fun. It's quick. It's simple. There is a new version of it, which is just new artwork, just kind of like the game where it's a lot more friendly and interesting. But I have the old version. I love it. I still get it game time played with it. And kids, families, everyone plays this. A lot of fun. No thanks. No thanks is a blast. Uh, Number two is Battle Line, Reiner Knizia's classic uh, 1v1 face-off game. Um, it's been released in many different forms. There's East-West, there's Schottentotten, there's Battle Line Medieval. Uh, there's just Battle Line, the one released by GMT in 2000. Um, all of them are more or less the same, though. You have a line of cards representing different locations or flags that you're trying to capture. You are playing cards from your hand and trying to basically build these like poker style hands to win those flags so if you win five of nine or three in a row you win that game um it is quick it is simple it is very strategic for what it is which is one of my favorite types of short like 20 30 minute two-player games um there are a lot of other games that kind of use this mechanism in different forms um stefan feld arena roma 2 is is one of my favorites, but this is the smallest and most accessible version that, you, again, you could just throw in your pocket. So Battle Line and all of its many iterations. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. I have a bunch of these myself. All right. So our number one of our top 10 games to get out during the summertime, especially if you're at the beach and you want to get people to play, thematically, it has to be Deep Sea Adventure by Want Games. Uh, Deep Sea Venture is another one of these great press your luck games. You and everyone at the table is our deep sea explorers. And you are trying to go through these ruins and you're trying to get as much of the valuable ruins as possible before your air runs out. So again, it's a press your luck game. So you keep rolling dice until you get to a point where you're like, I don't think I could get any more. You pick up the treasure and you head back to the submarine. Here's the thing. Everyone's sharing the, the same air supply. So as the game goes on and as people dive deeper, it becomes a more complicated decision process. And it's a lot of fun. So dive deep, pick up the particular chit. Because again, all the game is, is a submarine, which is a little tiny cardboard board, a bunch of meeples, and a bunch of little cardboard chits that you're, have like symbols on them. And that's it. And you can kind of fit it anywhere because, again, you could dive anywhere that you need to dive. It's a lot of fun. And, in fact, I think they just recently remade it in a space version, which, again, just goes to show how this how this is the oink game. Like, this is their best game, small game, pocket game, fun game, great game to get to the beach. And, again, anybody can play this game. And there's, like, no rules. It's like, all right, roll. How far you go? Cool. Do you want that thing? Cool get back you know because it's going to get dangerous right. for you uh there you go anthony our uh, top 10 games yeah no this list is great and like honestly there's a bunch of these where like 
certain companies go find other games that they make if that one doesn't sound super interesting. Like Button Shy Games has a bunch of stuff. Oink Games has a bunch of stuff. Yes. Uh, Rolling Rights, there's a bunch of them. Like, oh, yeah. Trick-taking games are almost all good pocket games. So like, find the one that fits your uh, particular play style. But these are the, definitely, the, the, for us, the best and the best types of games. Absolutely. Could not agree enough. Again, we hope that you have a great summer, great vacation. Stick with us. We are producing podcast episodes every week. Don't forget patreon.com. There are new episodes there as well as kicking the habit for next week. All right, everyone. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care, everyone. Bye. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 